0: Shame, shame, shame. Shame Shame looks to be making something of a comeback in our society, except that it isn't. Not authentic shame, at least. The popular concept of shame has played a role in the use and the misuse of social media, political contests, and at least the past couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. Now, body shaming is being called out, where people are making negative comments about other people's body size or weight, whether they're on TV or in the classrooms at a school. Stories pop up in the news about online shaming campaigns that are being waged against others on Twitter, inciting virtual crowds to come get someone for whether their comments or their actions have been real or imagined. There's something that all these types of shaming have in common, though. They're all about casting shame, projecting it, Shame, as we generally understand it today, is about making someone feel bad, about who they are or what they've done. There's probably a large part of the population that thinks that way about religions, maybe even Christians especially, that we're all about shame like that, telling people that they are bad. And judging what some say, It might seem like the only way to be free from shame is to be free from religion, free from faith. In both ancient times and in many parts of our world today, shame and honor have much more to do with your relationships with other people than they do with how you feel about yourself. The dynamic of honor and shame greatly affects people's lives because it governs how you are viewed by your community. So in that context, what you've done impacts who you are in the eyes of the people around you. Shame comes as a consequence of action, of inaction, of condition. Something that has happened to distance an individual from the rest of their society. It's so powerful that it can carry over not just from the person affected, but their family and those closest to them. So at the risk of oversimplifying things, shame is a recognition that things are not the way they should be. What is your shame? What threatens to separate you from the people around you? Shame brings separation. It damages relationships. The powers of the world are at work to cause shame and the separation that follows. Those powers are out there, bringing disease and disaster to drive people apart. Those powers are out there, prompting you to point the finger at others to tell them how they should feel about themselves instead of considering the fault and failure within you. Those powers are out there saying that you need to be willing to go through life alone if that is what it takes for you to have it your way. Well, Jesus' first rhetorical question in today's gospel is about shame. Rather, it's about shamelessness. It's as if Jesus is asking, can you imagine someone refusing to help his neighbor? Now, that might not be all that much of a stretch for us today. The average neighborhood around here is far more insular than those used to be in first century Palestine. Today, it's pretty much an admirable accomplishment if you actually know your neighbor's names. So how many of us could imagine one of our neighbors coming and knocking at our door, seeking our help? But back then, people lived as community in a way that supported each other. They lived in relationships that bound them together within a community, living within that dynamic of honor and shame. If someone came to visit as a guest, it'd be the responsibility of the whole village to make sure that that guest was provided hospitality, that they were welcomed in, that they had everything that they needed. If they failed to do so, they would carry the burden of shame. And Jesus says that while the man who was sleeping might not have gotten up and provided his friend what was sought just because he was his friend, he would certainly do so because of his shamelessness. That's the word that we see translated sometimes as impudence in English. But shamelessness is probably the most liberal way we can consider it we lose a little bit of the beauty of Jesus' rhetoric with our English translations because the way Jesus puts it, it's ambiguous. The shamelessness could be that of the seeker, one who lacks shame, hitting up his friend for bread even though it is the middle of the night. However, the friend in bed could also be the one who is shameless. As he gets up to provide for that that is being asked in order to avoid shame, avoiding the shame of failing to provide hospitality. Shame will not separate either of them in their need. Anyone who said that the only way to be free from shame is to be free from faith has it backwards. The only way to be free from shame Is through faith. God in His grace has sent His Son to make you shameless. Whatever you've done or whatever you have not done to further your separation from God has been nailed to Christ's cross. We heard that in Paul's letter to the Colossians today. Jesus has reconnected you with your loving Heavenly Father and nothing can pull you from his embrace. Jesus taught his disciples to pray that prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer in response to their request. Because God loves his children. Rather than being separated from them, he wants to be hearing from them, from you. Jesus reiterates that astonishing fact right at the outset of the Lord's Prayer. He uses the word Abba to refer to God. And despite what you might have heard in the past, Abba does not mean Daddy. It's even better than that. A more honest English translation would probably be beloved father, something that an adult would use to refer to their loving parent. Because that is the astonishing truth. Jesus puts his disciples into that relationship that he has with his father. Jesus puts you into the relationship that he has with his father. God is your loving father too. You can come to him without shame. Jesus follows up with another rhetorical question, this one about a father and his son. A father who loves his child would not trick his son with a dangerous deception. A snake can look like a fish, all scaly. A bundled up scorpion can look like an egg. It'd be like tossing a child a hand grenade when they have asked for an avocado. And if people who knew better than to do such things to those they love, how much more so will our heavenly Father answer our petitions? As we sing in the hymn, take it to the Lord in prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gives us a model for how we can come to our Heavenly Father with all of our concerns, with all of our needs. God is honorable and generous regardless of the circumstances. Through God's grace, we have the Holy Spirit through whom we pray, who intercedes with groanings too deep for words on our behalf. God always answers prayer. Sometimes that answer will be yes. Sometimes it'll be no. Sometimes it will be not yet. It might not be the answer that you had expected. However, just as the father would not give his son a harmful gift, your Lord who loves you will give you what is needed. Simply put, God is the giver of all good gifts. So as Jesus' disciples then, let us take it to our Lord in prayer. We can and should pray against the violence and evil that afflicts our world and drives individuals and communities apart, asking the Lord's blessing of peace wherever it is needed in our country and in our world. We can and should pray against partisanship and self-promotion in government, asking the Lord's blessing of wisdom upon all those who serve in leadership roles. We can and should pray against those powers that try to drive people away from Christ, asking the Lord's blessing of protection and perseverance for those persecuted in all places. God answers prayer. And God is just. God will give what is needed. And ultimately, he will deliver the answer to all of our prayers, all of our petitions, all of our needs. As Jesus returns and God puts to final and public shame all the powers of the world that would accuse and condemn his people, not the least of which is death. Through God's grace, you have been set free and your shame has been forgiven. In its place, instead of separation, your heavenly Father would give you honor. He would draw you and invite you together to bring you to the table that he has prepared with Christ's body and blood. He draws you into community, community that cannot be broken. Christ has prepared a place for you. God gives good gifts here for you. In Jesus, you are shameless. Amen.